The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight, where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today, from the pulpit to the pew. Hello, everyone. This is another installment of Setting the Record Straight. I am your host for this week. My name is John Howell, and I'm delighted to be here. It is truly a privilege to be a part of this ministry, and I know it's blessed me. I pray that you are blessed as well. This week, we are going to be discussing a, a couple of claims made by Andy Stanley. Uh, last month, he wrapped up a sermon series called Aftermath which I think is a really cool title, actually, for, for a sermon series. But, um, but Andy Stanley has made a couple claims that, are, that need to be addressed by the church. They've been addressed um, by others. I know uh, um, Jeff Durbin um, just put out, uh, put out a response. I know that others, um, there's been quite a few articles and responses. So I'm going to kind of take a little bit of a different approach, I think, uh, but I do recommend... Um, you know, there, there's been some good responses out there. So I don't think I'm the first or the only one uh, to do this, but I do think m- maybe we can we can say a couple couple things here. Um, so first of all, uh, uh, Andy Stanley, Andy Stanley, the son of Charles Stanley. I grew up in a home that was very conservative Christian, and a, as far back as I can remember, I remember the smooth kind of gentlemanly southern draw of of of, of charles stanley's preaching it, it it's um very practical and influential and did a lot of good for me and in, in, in my family his son andy stanley um is actually it gets a lot of accolades for being uh, a really good communicator there was recently a study done uh or was it a survey something like that but it was measuring or releasing the top com- uh, preachers in America, um, <clears throat> most influential, best communicators. There's all these different um, factors involved that they that they they judge all these these preachers on. So, like Chuck Swindoll was on that list. Um, Andy Stanley, of course, as obviously since I'm bringing it up, was on that list, and, and, and others. Dallas Theological Seminary was uh, was actually the way I I learned about. I do get their newsletter and. I first saw this study because they were very proud of this survey because four of their alumni were on this list. So four of their alumni are considered uh, the top, most influential, best preachers in in America today. And Andy Stanley was in that list. So Andy Stanley is considered one of the most influential, best communicators of Christianity and the Bible in in america so andy stanley needs to be engaged he needs to be uh in a sense dealt with and um people need to be uh educated uh, exactly with with what's going on here so this sermon series aftermath had a few very controversial things that was that were said i'm not going to get into them all but i will discuss two the first one is that the idea and this is in the first sermon, I believe, that he did in this Aftermath series. So claim number one, Christians in the early church did not rely on the Bible for their testimony. 
but they just spoke of an event. So the first century apologetic was not founded on the scriptures. The first century apologetic was founded on eyewitness testimony of the resurrection of Jesus. <clears throat> and, you know, that can sound like splitting hairs, but the, the, the application from Andy Stanley is that because of that, then in our day, we in America in 2018 should not be so much founded on the Bible as on proclaiming that event. A lot of problems with that. A lot of problems. We'll, we'll get into that. The second claim we're going to talk about is that, and, and, again, Andy Stanley makes a claim in his third sermon, I believe, in the Aftermath series, that Christians uh, in the early church were, were, were not uh, hinged. But basically, they, they saw themselves as coming out of the Old Testament and, and separating from it. And he gets this from the, uh, the accountant Acts, where the church council meets in Jerusalem and decides uh, that the Gentile Christians do not have to be circumcised, and they don't have to abide by the dietary restrictions of Judaism, things like that. Um, so we'll, we'll, we're going we're to discuss that as well. Um, I don't know how much we're going to get into that text in Acts, really, but it definitely needs to be discussed. So these two claims, this idea that um, the early church apologetic was not based on the scriptures but on an event, and the second claim is that, that Christians need to be, un, I think, unhinged or unhitched was what he said. Unhitched from the, uh, from the, from, from the Old Testament. So we're going to let, – let's get into that. Sorry, my computer was buzzing at me. I apologize for that. All right. So first thing, the early church – let's make this – let's talk about the early church real quick. Um, I want to demonstrate something here. The early – the first century apologetic – was here's what it was what has happened the resurrection of jesus the kingdom of god coming the apocalypse in a sense has come the whole world has been changed i mean this is what the apostles are, are communicating if you read the gospel seriously if you read luke or matthew with without like preconceived notions of you know jesus meek and mild if you just read what these apostles what these disciples are saying they seem kind of crazy they they, they seem kind of like Oh, they've come off the hinges themselves. They they believed that the, the the apocalypse had happened. They believed that the world, in a real sense, had ended. And in a real in in a sense, it did. When Jesus died, was crucified. It seemed that Rome defeated him, and then he resurrects and is revealing himself to 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 so many, to hundreds of people, and especially to his disciples and to his apostles. Um, he is letting everyone know that a new world has come. The Apostle John's entire gospel is – the literary structure of that gospel is to demonstrate that when Jesus died, he rested in the tomb on the Sabbath. And then he rose on the third day a new week. That's a new week, meaning that there's a whole new world, a whole new creation has come. Because of Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, the world has been turned upside down. Nothing's the same, and um, and we can. I mean that that that's a that's a really cool talk all in itself. We can get into that post mill on that all day long. But to stay on topic, when we read the scriptures, we see that the the that the, in the New Testament, the New Testament apologetic is based on the scriptures. 
I mean, how many Old Testament references and direct quotations do we need before we realize that? I mean, the, the, the ministry of the Messiah has been foretold. Paul, Paul opens up Romans that the gospel has been foretold through the prophets. comes from David. I mean, this has been spoken of of old. That what? God's, God's, God's own royal announcement concerning his unique son, that he would be victorious, that he would rule and reign, that he would defeat all his enemies, both earthly and spiritual, for the, for the obedience of the nations. I mean, Paul goes so far as to say that the, the idea that Jesus, not Caesar, is the true son of God is already been foretold and promised by the prophets in the Old Testament. So it's ridiculous to say that the New Testament era had an apologetic that was not found in the scriptures. But what about the post-apostolic era? What about, what about the church fathers? So let's look at that real briefly. Um, the church fathers here. There was a really, there, there were some crazy controversies that the early church had to deal with, um, especially in the first three centuries. One of them, uh, one of the biggest ones, the big daddy heretic of all heretics of all Christian history is Marcion. And Marcion, there's a couple reasons why he's considered like the alpha heretic. One of them is his success. I mean, he founded a church that rivaled um, the other churches. Uh, it lasted for quite a while and was very, very influential um, and was really a source of competition and, um, uh, and other problems for, for the early church. So you have the likes of Justin Martyr and Tertullian spending a lot of time focused on and in, in, in refuting Marcion's heresies, so much so that, I mean, we don't have any of Marcion's writings. None of them have survived. But so everything we know of Marcion's teaching comes through, like Tertullian and Justin Martyr, especially Tertullian, um, who spent so much time in, in refuting Marcion that we can get quite a few points of what Marcion believed um, based on based on that you know quoting Marcion the, uh, the 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 contention the the, the points that Tertullian would make and, and think we can we can reconstruct quite a bit of Marcion and that's kind of nerding out a little bit but that's that's quite a big deal that we can reconstruct so much of Marcion's belief system based on his critics <laughs> so obviously he was popular is what I'm saying and he was a problem and he was a big focus of the early church so so here is a heresy and here's something interesting about the heresy. Now, before actually, before I get into the heresy, I just want to talk about, I want to kind of be reverse, kind of start with how was it refuted? How was Marcion refuted? Uh, Tertullian, uh, let's just, uh, I'm going to read from Church History, Volume 1. I uh, highly recommend it. Um, it's by Everett Ferguson, and he has a really um, precise way of, of communicating. Anyway, let's look at um, Tertullian. And now this is Tertullian in dealing with Marcion. Tertullian affirmed that God is both justice and love. God had to show discipline before love, and the sender had to make his authority known in the Old Testament before the one sent would be accepted. In contrast, Marcion's God made a sudden appearance without any preparation. The church's rejection of Marcion's teaching demonstrated, among other things, its realization that it could not surrender its Old Testament roots and what that entailed about the oneness of God and the goodness of his creation. I'll stop there. And you can probably already start to get, get a, an idea, if you don't already, of what, Marcian, what some of Marcion's heresy was. 
Which brings us to our second. So before I do that, I just want to um, demonstrate that what Tertullian does here, before we get into the details, is Tertullian spends quite a bit of time uh, demonstrating how the God of the Old Testament is a just God and that the Old Testament is the foundation for the sending of the Son. There's a lot of Tertullian and Justin Martyr. Um, I mean, shoot, you got Irenaeus, you got um, so many that spend so much time quoting Scripture. It's, it's, uh, their writings are saturated with the Scriptures. And so the first century apologetic was... What has happened is what was written. This is what they constantly come back to, just like the apostles. It was written. It was written. So historically, it doesn't work to separate the scriptures from the event, from the resurrection of Jesus. They just can't be separated. And Andy Stanley's uh, application of that, that Christians uh, basically saying that nobody in our day takes the Bible seriously because we just talk about the Bible. We need to talk more about the event. But the notion that nobody takes the Bible seriously, uh, well, that notion must be to place it as the, let me back up, to place the fault for that, how the culture views the Bible, to place the fault of that at the Bible, like on the, like it's the Bible's fault that people aren't taking it seriously. I mean, I think that's, I think that's, that's pretty messed up. I think the blame for societal rejection of the Bible is to be placed upon the church. I think we need to take responsibility. We pastors, teachers, disciples, you know, those who claim to know Jesus and follow him, we need to take responsibility for how society views the scriptures. We really do. We haven't, we ourselves haven't taken the Bible seriously. How can we expect our culture to take it seriously? We get offended, maybe, oh, like, oh, you don't make a joke about Jesus, but we but we don't but we have nothing to say about <laughs> actual societal sins. We have nothing to say, like how many how many are how quiet the church is so quiet about abortion. The church is so quiet about public school. The church is so quiet about a prison system that is for profit. a a, a society that locks up more of its citizens per capita than any other nation in the world and we're supposed to be this bright shining nation this greatest superpower in the world yeah right we oppress as a as a nation we we are oppressive of our own and we are oppressive of others and anyway the bible speaks of these things and so when we're not taking the bible seriously that is why society is not taking it seriously and we really i think need to repent we need to really come to grips with that so anyway, again, the first century apologetic, how Tertullian dealt with heresy, how, how, they, how, how the New Testament speaks of Jesus was based on the scriptures. And speaking of the New Testament, let's take a look really quick here at Second uh, Peter. Let me turn there. If you hear my pages turn in, sorry. I prefer paper. Um, In 2 Peter chapter 3, I just want to read this portion here, starting in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since we are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. 
there are some things in them, in his writings, that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the air of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So there's a few things there. I wish I could park there. I love that text. But Peter, um, two things. Peter founds his position on Scripture. His, his main critique of the false teachers is that they twist the scriptures, that they don't understand the scriptures. So he is bringing an understanding of the scriptures in his whole letter and in First Peter as well. But also notice that he equates, when he talks about his, our beloved brother Paul, the apostle Paul, his writings, he equates those with scripture. He says they twist Paul's writings just like they do the rest of the scriptures. And so we see in the first century that writing about Jesus and his resurrection was completely founded upon the scriptures. That the understanding of the resurrection of Jesus, the victory of God in Christ, the kingdom of God coming, the covenantal renewal that comes in Jesus, is all can only be understood being completely linked with the story of Israel, with the story of creation and the fall. We cannot separate the, the event of the resurrection of Jesus from the historical account, from the historical redemptive narrative of Scripture. You just can't do it. It's not possible. The, the ministry and work of Jesus become unrecognizable. Now, you're, now, I mean, you might as well have a Gospel of Thomas or a Gospel of Peter or, or any, any other, you know, Gnostic Gospel. Um, there are different types of those Gospels, but they, they, they all have that one thing in common. So they completely divorce Jesus from his Jewishness. They completely divorce Jesus from the narrative of Israel, from, from, from the scriptures. And, there, and, and guys, whenever we divorce Jesus from Israel, whenever we do that, we get all sorts of heresies. We get Kenism. We get, um, we get Andy Stanley's uh, heresy, which we're about to get into again. But I just wanted to take this time just to understand. It's so important. Paul in Ephesians wants the Gentile Ephesians, and therefore us as well, to know without a shadow of a doubt that the story of Israel is our story. That the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile has been broken down. We all have the same Exodus story. We have the same Passover story. Jesus is the new Moses. He's the better Moses, the true Exodus. He is the, he is the true blood, the lamb. He is the, the, the rescuer. He is the king. He is the deliverer from the ultimate Pharaoh, the ultimate taskmaster of sin and death itself. And this is what we all have in common. <clears throat> all right, so... Um, the next claim of Andy Stanley, and the, the, I know I'm going to be coming in and out, but this next claim of Andy Stanley that we as Christians need to be un, unhitched from the Old Testament. Again, I want to I want to point us to Marcion, and let's get more specific with Marcion. Marcion uh, believed that the Old Testament was not at all reliable, that the Old Testament was to be um, done away with, that we were not, um, let's see, he believed that the well let me just read this he believed again this is from uh, everett ferguson's work um early church history uh, the old testament he believed is the re revelation of the creator small c 
it predicts the Jewish Messiah. The Jews uh, have read their scriptures correctly. Uh, Marcion gives a pat on the back. Good job, Jews. Marcion agrees with your reading in, in a sense. Jesus is not the fulfiller of the Old Testament. And then he quotes, uh, he came not to fulfill but to destroy the law. Obviously, Marcion needs to listen to Bonson's teaching on Matthew 5. But the Old Testament God worked evils, contradicted himself, and delighted in wars. And so Marcion goes on. Marcion believed that, that the Old Testament was to be done away with. Marcion agrees with Andy Stanley that Christians need to be unhitched from the Old Testament. And so what we have here, Marcion heresy, although it was difficult, though it was hard, it was, it was thoroughly dealt with, and it's no more. Like, we don't have, like, Marcion's church is no more. Like, there, there was a victory for orthodoxy there. But we obviously, these old heresies will come back. They will show their, show their head, like the, kind of like Loch Ness Monster. Every once in a while, you'll see a sighting of it, and it'll go back down. And the Marcion heresy is one of them, and we see that Andy Stanley is for 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 that point very marcian in his view of the old testament the old testament is not useful for christians it's not what we're supposed to be involved with um we've seen uh perry noble if you guys remember him uh i think three years ago preached a sermon on the ten commandments and completely redid them as like the ten suggestions and and basically made a similar point that the old testament and the laws and the rules and the regulations that we as christians don't need to be a part of that um and then andy stanley recently just straight up says we need we as christians need to be unhitched from the old testament this is marcion in 2018 and tertullian justin martyr shoot the apostles paul peter have dealt with that kind of thinking thoroughly and we as Christians, if we are equipped in the scriptures, if we are immersed in the scriptures, if we live by them, if we see the scriptures as a light to our path, sweeter to our taste than the honeycomb, more valuable than any treasure, than any ruby that this world has to offer, we won't be deceived by such a blatant lie. Andy Stanley is one of the most influential pastors in America today, and this is what he's teaching. The Marcion heresy 2018 version and we need to be aware we, we need to be wary of that so so it needs to be engaged it needs to be discussed and uh you know so many people are, are gonna i mean it's a good message in terms of like the way we feel i mean there are a lot of people in this world that would love to hear a message from a respected pastor saying hey you don't need that law you don't need god's law you don't need it divorce yourself unhitch from it you know um, and then the problem with that is that, like Marcion, what you'll see is that when you divorce your Christianity from Israel, from the narrative of the Old Testament, from covenant, you get a completely different Jesus. And that's where the real danger lies. When you have, when you have a pastor telling his people, the way to do apologetics, the way to preach the gospel is to not use the scriptures, but to just proclaim that event. Don't be hitched to the Old Testament. What Jesus will you get? I mean, you'll get, you'll get a Jesus. I mean, now, now you're looking at the, the exact same error that led to the Gnostic Gospels. Marcion was, is also seen as one of the fathers that gave birth to the later Gnostic movement. 
the Gnostic Church, the Gnostic Gospels, which there's various types of the Gnostic Gospels. There's the Gnosticism can't be systematically put into a neat little box. But one thing they have in common, as I mentioned earlier, is that they all divorce Jesus from historical Israel and from the Old Testament from covenant. They all do this. They, they all do that. So Andy Stanley, as influential as he is, as nice as he probably is, is very dangerous. If he's he, he's rehashing a Marcion heresy, and um, you know, there there's there are a lot of critiques out there. There are a lot of uh, a lot of things have been said about it. I'm not claiming to to be the only one, but I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see that there are all sorts of traditions and different people coming out and saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's not Pastor Stanley. That's really." wrong and we need to talk about that so uh we here at recon radio want to definitely address this as well and we, i mean at recon radio when it comes to to god's law we believe that i mean god god's law is is what's needed uh we we want to be like david and delight we want to you know we we as christians we need god's law god's law is a delight to us it is it is water it is refreshment like the psalmist says in 119 i open my mouth and pant for i am desperate for for your law you know i delight in it it is my sustenance it is my food so anyway um i think that's all i have for you guys i know i'm usually short and sweet on these things and um i guess just a recap you know, Andy Stanley says that the Christian apologetic was not based on the scriptures. That is false, completely false. If you read, uh, I mean, if you read against heresies, if you read any uh, Irenaeus' letters, um, if you read Justin Martyr, Tertullian, you'll see it completely saturated with the with the Bible, with the scriptures. Um, and his claim that we as Christians need to be unhitched from the Old Testament will be, I mean. Unfortunately, many Christians already are. A lot of Christians already live and believe that way. Um, but if 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 we unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament, then we no longer have the gospel. We no longer have the Jesus that saves, the Jesus that is king, who's ruling and reigning, the Jesus that is spoken of in the Psalms, who rules over the nations and laughs at kings who try to rebel against him. And again, as Paul says in Romans 1, this gospel was proclaimed beforehand through the prophets. The son of David would come and that he would he is the true son of God as demonstrated through his resurrection, not Caesar. And the goal of this is the obedience of the nations. And so one closing thing, the important thing about us being attached and understanding that we, even as Gentile Christians, we are in a sense the children of Abraham. Um, because we have the faith, we, we have the faith of Abraham. Like Jesus tells the Pharisees, your father is not Abraham. If your father was Abraham, then you'd rejoice to see me like he did, kind of thing. Um, when we are fully, when we connect ourselves with the Old Testament, when we connect ourselves and understand the, that we that the, the God's covenant purpose was for the nations. Now we have the Great Commission. The Great Commission by itself isolated, apart from covenant, apart from the dominion mandate, apart from God's law, God's te- like the Great Commission becomes this thing where you're just telling people about Jesus and hoping that they join your club. 
But when we have the testimonies of the prophets, when we have the wisdom, when we have um, God's law, when, when it's a delight to us, we can go forth to the nations and we can make disciples. We can teach them everything that Christ has taught us. We can teach them to obey him and to follow him. And that's really what we as Christians, no matter what your job is for a living, no matter what skin color, no matter what country you're in, no matter how much money you have in the bank, you need to be making disciples. And the only way you can do that is to be immersed in the scriptures, be thoroughly connected to the Old Testament, not separated from it, and have your apologetic based on what happened is what is written. And what is written is what happened. It, what is written is what's happening. What is written is what will happen. So let us be founded thoroughly on the, in, in the scriptures. They are uh, sweet. They are light. They are life. Uh, they are liberty to us. We've been set free by the truth of God. Uh, free indeed, right? Uh, we have a new life because of what Christ has done. So let's not be carried away by these popular uh, flashy preachers who are considered influential and some of the best that America has to offer. Let us um, let us seek the scriptures and obey them. I want to end with this. I, I've often I've heard this. I don't know if this is actually true, but I've heard this from someone somewhere, read it somewhere that uh, Doctor Doctor Bonson used to tell his friends and family and his his children this that he used to tell them to never be afraid to go where the scriptures lead you but be terrified to go where the bible doesn't go and i think that that's that that can be so relevant for so many situations but definitely here we have preachers and teachers that are saying what the bible doesn't say they're going where the bible doesn't go that's a scary scary thing you know whether whether it's Kenism saying that interracial marriage is adultery, or whether it's Andy Stanley uh, rehashing, re resurrecting uh, a version of the Marcion heresy, um, we need to be alert and we need we need to be wise. I hope that you all were encouraged by this. Um, grace and peace to you. This has been uh, another installment of Setting the Record Straight with Recon Radio. Again, I'm your host, John Howell, and I'll see you next month. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks. 